welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Father, you got a word for us. A word of hope. Oh, I thank you for answered prayer, Lord. You are so faithful, Lord. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Speak to us from your word today, Lord. You promised that your word is living and powerful. I pray your word would be life to hearers today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Several years ago, a Canadian author wrote a piece listing the, uh, the cultural change that has happened in North America over the last 50 years of the 20th century. This is how the author wrote it. Kids in the 1950s lost their innocence. They were liberated from their parents by good paying jobs, their cars, lyrics, and music. And that gave rise to a new term the generation gap. The kids in the 60s lost their authority. It was the decade of protest. Church, state, parents were all called into question and found wanting. Their authority was rejected, yet nothing ever really replaced it. The kids in the 1970s lost their love. It was the decade of meism dominated by the hyphenated words beginning with self, self-image, self-esteem, self-assertion. It made for a very lonely world. Kids learned everything about that there is to know about sex, but have forgotten everything there is to know about true love. Few have had the nerve to tell them There is indeed a difference. In the 1980s, kids lost their hope, stripped of innocence, authority, and love, and plagued by the horror of a nuclear nightmare, large and growing numbers had stopped believing in the future. Ravi Zacharias added a statement to the words of the Canadian author. In the 1980s, The kids have lost their power to reason. Lost in a world of cyberspace, they've personalized objects and totally subjectivized reality, imprisoned now by their aloneness in front of a machine. Fifty years, our culture moved from a loss of innocence the loss of authority, the loss of love, 
then into hopelessness and the loss of reason. As we moved into the first two decades of this millennium, we continued on down that slippery slope and we've moved from the loss of reason into a world of virtual reality. Relationships are virtual. Social media, which really isn't social. You can meet people on social media. They can be anything they want to be <clears throat> because it's not reality. It's virtual reality. Virtual games. Even teams are virtual. Fantasy football teams, fantasy baseball teams, fantasy basketball teams, fantasy, and, and virtual victories, virtual championships that may give a momentary euphoria, but there's no real deep meaning to it. And that virtual reality is moving into families as families are virtual. Each family member pursues their own reality in their own room with their own pad or Android. They don't do meals together. They just pass one another. They don't really have relationship. And it could be that it's the second or third boyfriend or girlfriend in the home as family relationships have become virtual relationships, long-distance relationships where the kids go be with the parents six months here, six months there in a virtual relationship. The sad part is, is virtual reality is slowly morphing into transhumanism. You've got people like Elon Musk and Natasha Vita Moore playing God. Where, where's hope in all of this? Where's hope? Our streets have become filled with lawlessness. And isn't, isn't it strange? They don't, they don't want to call, they don't want to call the police into account to keep our streets safe. Unless, of course, it's breaking into their gated community. <clears throat> the lawlessness that's abounding. Our moral depravity has gotten so bad. I found it really interesting that Jimmy shared this scripture this morning in the pre-service prayer time. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, Every imagination of their thoughts was only evil continually. And as we have gone down this slippery slope from loss of innocence through loss of authority, loss of love, loss of hope, into loss of reason, and now into virtual reality, there has been a complete loss of moral fiber and moral strength and, and 
and, and moral reasoning to the point that every thought of the imagination is only evil continually. Because when you educate a generation without morality, you are only helping them figure out smarter ways to commit sin. More intelligent ways to commit sin. And we've seen a loss of the value of life. And with every gunshot, with every human life taken, we devalue life. Until now, another state, first New York and now Massachusetts, is approving the murder of the preborn to the day of birth. Where's hope in all of this? Where do we find hope in this craziness that's going on in our culture? Where do we find hope? Where do we turn to for hope? Folks, there's only one place to find hope, and that's God's holy word. That's, that's the only place to find hope. There, there is no hope anywhere else. If you've been hoping that, that the conservative Republicans were going to bring you hope, or if you've been hoping that, that the, the progressive uh, Democrats were going to bring you hope, if you've been hoping that the Green New Deal is going to bring hope, if you've been hoping in some other thing, if you've been hoping in anything other than the God's Word and the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to quickly discover there is no hope outside of the word of God. That is the only source of hope. <clears throat> I want you to look at one passage with me today. We're going to focus our entire message on this one passage, Isaiah chapter 53. I didn't prepare a PowerPoint today. The reason was because I wanted to use the Bible. Isn't that a creative new idea? Of course, if you hang around here very much, you know all of our teaching comes right out of there, right? We make no apology. We teach the Holy Scripture, the infallible, inerrant, unchanging, absolutely true word of the living God. We believe in the plenary verbal inspiration of the Bible. That every word is inspired. Jesus meant it. Jesus meant it when he said, not even a jot or tittle would pass away till all be fulfilled. Those are punctuation marks. That's how much he believed in the infallibility of God's word. You think if Jesus believed the infallibility of God's word, he maybe knew what he was talking about? Isaiah 53, and the prophet Isaiah starts off by asking a question. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He's asking an important question. Because you see, all hope starts there. All hope starts with, do you believe God's report? 
Now, let me tell you what he's not asking. He's not asking, do you give mental assent to it? But yeah, yeah, I, I believe the Bible. Yeah, I, yeah, I believe the Bible. And you, and you give mental assent to it. He's not even asking, do you give religious assent to it? <clears throat> well, yeah, 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 I know. Our, our, our church believes the Bible. Yeah, yeah. No, no, here's what he's asking. Do you believe God's report to such a degree you stake your life upon it? You you base your very life upon it. Do you believe the word of God to the degree that it literally is the governor of everything in your life. Your decision-making, you go to the Word of God. When you want to know what is, what is true and not true, you go to the Word of God. Do you run to the Word of God before you run to the latest alphabet news report? Do you, do you run to the word of God before you listen to the latest conservative talking head? See, I'm concerned we have Christians that know more about what Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity or Mark Levin or Glenn Beck or these other talking heads. They know what they say more than they know what the word of God says. Folks, they, they, are, not, they are not infallible. This is infallible. God's word is infallible. And it is infallible and it is absolutely true for all generations, for all cultures, for all men and women, for all history. God's word. Who had believed our report? Will you, will you actually stake your very life upon it? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He shall go up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. Hope begins with believing God became man. See, Gnosticism teaches that that's not possible. Islam teaches that Jesus was not God in the flesh. But the Holy Scripture teaches that he was. Joseph got the message from Gabriel. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That yes, she is impregnated. She's carrying a child. But not because she's been immoral. But that holy thing that she's carrying in her womb was conceived in her womb by the Holy Spirit. She is still a virgin. Holy Spirit has conceived that child in her womb and he will be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. She was carrying a male child in her womb, yes, but the amazing thing is 
that male child growing in her womb was almighty God. Amen. I've, I've, often, I've often wondered... I wonder if they went through what we went through with our kids. There were times I asked Wanda, will we ever get out the door again without first having the kid poop their diaper to where it goes outside the diaper all over the... You're all laughing because y'all been there. We left on time, but then the event happened. <laughs> Did you ever wonder? You ever, you ever wonder what it was like when when that little kid was growing up, and Joseph had to spank that little kid's bottom, and he stopped from and thought, "I'm just spanking God's bottom." <laughs> you realize how challenging that would be. And people go, well, now, Pastor Dean says he grew up in all points like we. I don't know about you, but I think my mom kind of wanted to write across her pancake turner, I need thee every hour. (laughs) Hope starts with believing that God became a man to bring us hope. Because left to ourselves, we will always self-destruct. We have great intentions. But has anybody besides me noticed your great intentions don't get very far? They tend to crumble. He grew up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. When you see him, there's no beauty that you should desire him. Contrary to Hollywood and artists, Jesus was not handsome. He was not a good looker. There was nothing that attracted you to him. You could walk by him in a crowd very easily. And at times they did. People say, well, but wait a minute, you know, he was really well liked. He was really popular. No, no, no. Read it again. The only reason he was popular was because he fed them with with fish and loaves and because he did miracles for them. That's the only reason they followed him. Not because they liked him. He was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. Literally, in the Hebrew, a man of pain and acquainted with sickness. He was well acquainted with pain and with sickness. 
We're going to come back to that in just a moment. It says this, we hid, as it were, our face from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Before you came to Jesus, how often did you hide your face from him? Not wanting to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to church with you, no. Did you hear something on the radio, you turn it off? Somebody leave something on your doorstep, you'd crumple it up, throw it away. Didn't want to hear it. You hid your face from him. How many times? How many times since you've given your life to Jesus have you hidden your face from him because you didn't want to hear what he's trying to say to you? You're, you're, you're too busy enjoying what you're doing. You don't want to hear what he is saying to you. You don't want him to interrupt your personal pleasure. You don't want him to interrupt your little attitude. You don't want him to stop you from doing the thing you know you're not supposed to be doing, but you don't want to stop it yet. And so, and we hide our face from him. And folks, listen closely. It's at that point that we hide our face from Jesus that hope stops. Listen closely. It's at that point that we hide our face from Jesus that hope stops because that point in our life where we're hiding our face from Jesus, he can't get involved. Now you're left to your own devices. You're left to your own strength. You're left to your own wisdom. You're left to your own ability to figure it out. And you and I both know how that works for you. We've got to stop hiding our face from him. That's why scripture talks about in Psalms. When you said, seek my face, I said, Lord, your face I will seek. We've got to seek him face to face. We've got to stay face to face with Jesus. Because that's where hope is at its fullness. It's with Jesus. Man of sorrow. Waited with grief. We hid, as it were, our face from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrow. We forget this. We, 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 we remember that it says, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But, but before it talks about that, it talks about that Jesus literally took upon himself our sickness. 
You see, you see, sickness is a part of the curse of sin. It's a part of the curse. And so Jesus, he not only dealt with our iniquity and our sin, but he, he dealt with the curse of it. And so can you imagine? It wasn't, it wasn't adequate for him just to take the iniquity upon himself. He literally took our cancer. He literally took all human disease and sickness upon himself. <clears throat> he has borne our sickness in his own body. Can you imagine the level of agony he was carrying on the cross as he bore the flu and all forms of sickness hanging there hour after hour he was carrying that upon himself so you could be healed that's hope right Dina yeah right Michelle Hallelujah. See, that's, that's hope. That's hope. I don't have to go through this stuff without hope. Jesus bore it for me. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our pain. I don't want to wake up one more day in pain. Jesus said, don't have to. I carried it for you. I carried it for you. Not just physical pain. That pain of being abused. That pain of being molested, raped, Pain of being verbally demeaned and abused. The pain of abandonment, rejection. The pain of unfaithfulness, divorce. The, the pain of just human life. We... We go through things as kids and we never quite get over them. I remember standing outside the art class one day. This was in the fifth grade. And the art teacher looked at me and said, Hackett, you look like a Ford going down the street with the doors open. Your ears are so big and sticking out. Now, if, if that art teacher knew what I already dealt with, I mean, on, on, the, on the playground, they, they called me frog face and everything else. It just, you know, it just, what, how do you deal with that gunk? Most kids never get healed from that pain. Most kids never get healed from that pain. 
just like most kids and most adults never get over the pain of physical and verbal abuse, of rape, of molestation. I'm telling you, there's hope because the Lord Jesus Christ took all of that pain upon himself so you wouldn't have to carry it one more day. That's hope. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to our own way. Boy, is that so true? Are, are, are we like self-willed or what? <clears throat> We've turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before her shears is silent, so I open on his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was deceit in his mouth. Yet, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Look at verse 12. poured out his soul to death. He was numbered among the transgressors. He bore the sin of many. He made intercession for the transgressors. As he did all this for you and for me, that we might have hope. And here's the last point. He had to take your sin upon himself because the wages of sin is death. He had to die in your place. But he could only do that 
if he was perfect. That's why he had to be God in the flesh. That's why it starts there. We've got to believe the report of God that God became a man. And that he lived a perfect, sinless life. But at the close of that perfect, sinless life, he took upon himself all of this so that he could die in your place, bearing all of your sickness, all of your pain, and all of your sin and iniquity, and die in your place because the wages of sin is death. And in making that sacrifice, sealing a blood covenant that says, here it is, This is the covenant I'll make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my law on their heart, on their mind will I write them, and their sin and iniquity I will remember no more. Here's the covenant. If you will believe God's report, and if you will admit to God, you know what, I know I'm a sinner, I know I do wrong, There's no doubt in my mind about that. I know it. And I know left to myself, I'll mess it up. But I don't want to live that way anymore. And so I humble myself to you. And I ask you to forgive me of everything I've done wrong. And I ask you to wash my heart pure and clean. And Jesus, come live in me and give me a whole new life. The scripture promises if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just a matter of cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Then he declares us to be just as if we'd never sinned. That's justification. He makes a divine fiat that declares us to be just as if we'd never sinned. That's why he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our our sin from us. Thank you, Lord. But that's not enough. He also declares us to be the righteousness of God. See, that is hope. He gives us a whole new lease on life. Dear ones, this is is the hope of this generation. And when you're looking around and you're seeing all the craziness going on right now, and you see all the stuff, and you go, I do not know what to do with this. There's only one thing you can do. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Closing with this passage found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. And foreseeing, we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Laying aside the weight and every sin that does so easily beset us. Looking to Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. 
And that's what we have to do every day is we've got to just keep our eyes fixed right on Jesus and we keep running the race with patience and with endurance. And, and, and we do not let the gunk, it will, try, it will try and entangle us. It will try and entangle you to keep you from running. You'll be going, you'll be going along just fine and the next thing you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear a news report or you'll hear something else gone and, and, and it will just frustrate you and, and you'll want to quit and you'll want to give up. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Don't let that stuff entangle you. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Pain will come. Physical pain will come. Emotional pain will come. Don't let that, don't let it keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus, you, 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 you carried this for me, Jesus. You carried this pain. Jesus, you bore this sickness. Jesus, you did it. Hallelujah. I'm keeping my eyes on you. I'm keeping my eyes on you. Would you stand with me, please? Would you lift your hands with me to the Lord? Lift them high. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, across this worship center right now, Lord Jesus. As we were praying earlier, Lord Jesus, your love to embrace hearts. Your love to embrace hearts. Your love to embrace hearts. 
Lord Jesus, your love to embrace hearts. Mm. Mm. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray right now in the authority of Jesus' name, healing flowing into people's hearts and lives. Lord, pain being lifted right now. A lifetime of pain. A lifetime of pain. A lifetime of pain being lifted. Because Jesus, you bore that pain. You, you bore that pain. For them. You, you took it upon yourself. Sickness lifted right now in Jesus' name. Because you bore that for them. You bore that for them. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm, mm, thank you, Lord. 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 Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. So I have a question for you right now. Have you believed his report? Not just, not just mental assent. But have you, have you based your whole life upon his report? And upon the reality that God became man and did all this for you? You'd say, Pastor Dean, today, today, maybe for the very first time, or maybe just making a renewed commitment to it, but today, I'm committing myself to that report, and I'm committing myself to Jesus Christ today, to walk with him, to walk with him. Would you just hand up, right back down? I want to pray for you right now. Amen. 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 Several across the room. Amen. I'm just committing myself to that. Amen. Amen. Someone else. Amen. Yes, amen. 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 I'm going to wait a moment longer. Father, in the authority of Jesus' name right now, I pray for every one of these that raised their hand. And in the authority of Jesus' name, by the authority of his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, 
Lord, as they've raised their hand and said, I am, I am believing the report. I'm committing my life to this, Lord Jesus. You are hearing their cry right now. You are hearing their cry and you're answering. And I thank you in Jesus' name. And I give you praise, Lord. I give you praise, Lord. I give you praise, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.